Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited. So you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you'd like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash from us films, LLC, or just search from us F R U M E S S. And don't forget to like share and subscribe audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. Make it from Florida. 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 We're starting the show over right now. Someone tell me that everything is better because we're going to start the show over. We're going to pretend none of this ever happened. So just tell me. Give me, okay, I, I got, everybody says it's sorted. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm so sorry. I, I really do. I appreciate you and your patience and tolerance with all this stuff. I really, really do. So let's start the show over. I, I'm going to cut this all out anyway. Welcome to the Streaming Eva Live show. We've had a lot of technical difficulties. Everything is good. Everybody thinks everything is good. Good, good, good. Welcome Tonight, I just said welcome. How many times are you going to say welcome, Jeff? You said welcome enough. Um, got a, a really fun, uh, information-packed show for you. You know, we're kind of like omnipotent time travelers here. This is what we do. We Every week, we time travel. I don't know if anybody watches that show on Hulu with uh, Martin Short and Steve Martin and Selena Gomez. They do... They're like into true true crime podcasts, and I kind of, I was kind of really, uh, I was really getting a kick out of the show, and I just sort of thought about like what we do here and how, you know, true crime people they like pour over every detail of like a thing, and that's kind of like what we do here, right? We we sort of just <laughs> we sort of look over like this time period and this time frame and that time frame. Uh, and we have uh, an endless wealth of information to draw from sometimes. Sometimes I freak and I'm going, oh, my God, how am I going to do a show this week? I don't know what to talk about. Um, because sometimes the shows need preparation. So let's paint a picture for this week's show. We're going back to the transitional time from November coming fire to Danzig 1. But before we even do that... Before we even do that, uh, I just want to give a heads up from my Patreons. Shout out to you guys. I'm going to shout you guys out later in the show. Um, if you are a fan of November Coming Fire, it is a great day to be a Patreon or a YouTube me- uh, casualty member here on YouTube because the November Coming Fire listening party is coming up. I have taken extensive notes. Yes, you probably heard me say this already, but like I said, we're starting the show over. (laughs) Uh, I've taken extensive notes on November Coming Fire, uh, observations, hot takes, if you will, and uh, I will be recording that, I believe, this weekend, if everything goes according to plan. 
and uh, I'm planning on dropping that on October 1st for the Patreons. For the rest of you, you'll have to wait for November 1st, a.k.a. Sam Hain. That's right, we're going to release that episode on Sam Hain to the public with heavy ad supportage. Um, if you want an ad-free, friggin', you know, um, uninterrupted show, sign up for the Patreon. Um, when you sign up for the Patreon, you are supporting the creation of this content and making everything thrive. Uh, what else can I tell you? Other updates. Got some, got some commentary tracks coming up. So if you like horror films and you like commentary tracks, then you're going to love what's coming up on the Patreon. Also, new episodes of The Lost Lodi Files. These are outtakes from my uh, various interview archives surrounding the Misfits. Tidbits that won't make it into my documentary project but yet are too, are, are somewhat interesting or somewhat, you know, again, minutiae that I want to share. That is only available on Patreon. You cannot hear or access that anywhere else. So please take a moment, check out the Patreon. Enough with the commercials. Oh, one more commercial. Uh, tomorrow night, we have another episode of Sinful Celluloid with my co-host, uh, Christopher M. Jimenez, uh, a writer, director, producer, director, said director already, we're talking about um, best horror eras. He picked the topic, so we're talking about our favorite and our best horror eras, and maybe we will argue over what is better than what. But that should be interesting, so check that out. Check out our previous episode from last week about Quentin Tarantino. We, t- we, we dissected whether or not Reservoir Dogs is actually a tragic Romeo and Juliet star-crossed lover story, which it is... I clipped that segment. It'll be it'll be dropping on the YouTubes on Friday, so check that out. Okay, we're all done with all that. Let's let's roll into it. So you have it's uh, it's it's June or July of 1986. The Sam Hain plays for the last time. They recorded November Coming Fire uh, in 1985. I don't, someone refresh my memory. When did November Coming Fire officially get released? Does anybody know off the top of their noggins? It had to be, it's sometime in early 86. They, they release November Coming Fire. Maybe it even comes out after that show. I'm not sure. It, but it comes out, right? And um, I'll go back to these, these comments a little bit later. I don't want to get sidetracked from our show. Um, they do, they do the Rich Show. Uh-oh, somebody dropped out here. What happened? Oh, shit. We lost, we lost the camera. No bother. Oh. Well, that was weird. Okay, we're all still here, right? We're still here? Everybody's still here? I'm still here. <laughs> Can't win! I can't friggin' win. Um, so, November Coming Fire. Okay, thank you. Rue says that November Coming Fire... Rue is my, my Jamie tonight. He says November Coming Fire was released in February of 86. So they recorded it in, in mid-85, right? And... Hide that comment. They recorded it in mid-85. They do the Rich Show. They meet Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin says to Glenn, Hey, Glenn... I really, really want to sign you 
for a new, I want to sign you um, for my label, Def Jam American, Jeff Jam, whichever, one of the two. And, uh, you know, at first Glenn doesn't know what to make of this guy. He's a young guy. He's got long hair. He's got a beard. Um, and, and Ruben says, look, I don't want, I'm not interested in your band. I don't want your band. I just want you. And Glenn goes, no, 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 no. It's going to be, it's got to be me and Erie and yada, yada, yada. And I guess, you know, that, you know, Damien leaves, but London stays on for some months after that. So it wasn't, I who knows when that, that conversation happened about like, Hey, I want to scrap all your guys and, and start with new ones. And then Glenn insisted, oh, no, Erie has to stay. Maybe that's when, maybe that's when London was sacked. Maybe, maybe Ruben waited a while before he, you know, pounced that on Glenn. I don't know. I don't actually know. Um, I'm not going to try to know. But what's interesting is from the Ritz 1986 until August of 1988, Glenn Danzig does not play out live. Not once. There's not a single show. They rehearse a whole bunch of times. We hear bootlegs of those rehearsals. They record a brand new album under the, the name Danzig. Uh, they do some stuff, but they don't... Oh, no, sorry, April. Sorry, it's April, not August. April of 88, right? Yeah, it's April of 88 at City Gardens. So for almost two years, shy, a few months shy of two years... The, the band Sam Hain slash Danzig doesn't play out. It starts off as Sam Hain, and then at some point, the name switches, and they're no longer going to be Sam Hain. They're going to be Danzig here on in. This time is left up to interpretation, in the same way that a lot of the early Misfits stuff is left up to interpretation. You know, we have a pretty good we have a pretty good understanding from '79 onward of what's kind of going on. You know, in various different periods, with again big, big spaces of of, of nothingness in between. But um, this is another one of those periods where we kind of are just like scratching our heads, like how did this become this, and what's going on? Well, all we have to do is is look no further than go to Misfit Central. Shit. Fucking comments. No, no, your your comments are good, guys. I, it's it's the. Um, the software, the, t- the tablet, when I touch the comment, it leaves it hanging. I thought it was down. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, so there's this interview that, you know, I've never seen, I've never read before. I thought this was pretty interesting. Uh, this is from Misfit Central. It's from Black Market Number 6. This is the fall of 1986. Let's get it on our little share, Sheratron here. We're going to share this up. Okay, kids. Teachers putting this on the uh, overhead projector. Everybody uh, get your noteboards out, your clipboards. <laughs> Did that not work? Oh, here it is. Okay. Boom. Bushakalaka. All right. Here it is. So this is black market number six. From the fall of 1986, this interview took place around September 1986. So again, mind you, the, the the band has played their last show. There is no more Sam Hain, or Sam Hain might exist, but the Sam Hain is never going to play live again until the reunions of 1999, and they are in, in at the beginning of a 
uh, drastic metamorphosis that you know ends up ends ends up being Danzig, of all things. Glenn D. BM. Okay, so BM is for black market, and Glenn is Glenn. BM. So what's going on with Sam Hain, Glenn? Well, we just did a big show out here in June, sort of. A sh- so it was June. It wasn't July when they did the Ritz. Uh, uh, sort of a showcase for record companies. There was a lot of major labels there. BM asks, like who? Glenn says, I can't really say, but there's two or three labels that are interested in us. So here's the thing. We're always told that, you know, right after that Rich show, Rick Rubin comes up to them backstage and is like, he's like, I want to sign you. But from this September interview, just a few, you know, two, three months later, uh, it sounds like Glenn is considering other labels. Or maybe he's just doing that because he's speaking to the press. He's speaking to this this zine and wants to make things look more, um, maybe bigger than they, than they really are. I don't know. Um, let's read on. Well, we just did a big blah, 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 blah. Like who? I can't really say. BM says, how are things with Caroline Records? Now, again, brief, brief, put that, put a pin in that. Glenn's relationship with Caroline Records begins in 1979 when they go over to England and put out Beware on Cherry Red Records. Caroline is like distributing that or something. That That's where Glenn first makes the contact. And it gets to a point where Plan 9 Records um, finds distribution with Caroline Records somewhere around 1984, 1985. So a few years pass, and then Glenn has this distribution deal, and essentially all of that money is going directly to Plan 9 and Glenn. Um, and the band Sam Hain. That's how Glenn is funding Sam Hain and funding the the studio time, all that stuff, everything. Um, Glenn says, uh, BM says, how are things with Caroline Records? Glenn says, great. They're treating us really good. We might do one more record with Caroline before we do the major label thing. The major label thing can take a really long time. It's almost a year since our last record. So that's crazy. Now he's saying it's almost a year since their last record. They, as, as Rue Morg, with Rue Morg's help, we know that November Coming Fire came out in February of 86. They, the last time they, they recorded something was mid-85, right? So in his mind, he has recorded since 85, and it's been seven months since they put a record. I don't know if it's, it's upwards of a year. But, you know, Sam Haynes' releasing schedule is pretty prolific, considering, I mean, Glenn Danzig's independent release schedule, mind you, he independently released all of this output. Everything he did with the Misfits, independently released. Everything he did with Sam Hain, independently released through Plan 9. You know, think about that. That's two albums. Um... A, a compilation, a slew of singles. Uh, it's kind of insane. And then two albums with Sam Hain and an EP, you know? Um, so he's just constantly recording and putting stuff out. And now, because of the major label thing, because they're taking time to really figure out their sound and, 
you know, develop this, the, the, the songwriting and, and structure and whatever, whatever, blah, 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 BS. Um, they are, you know, Glenn is not clearly not used to this kind of schedule, right? So that's interesting. It's almost taken a year since, since our last record. But um, he says we might do one more record with Caroline, and that record would have been Sam Hain Grimm. So even after, even as they're being courted, by a major label, they begin production. That's where that's where those songs, Lords of the Left Hand, Death in Its Arms, Twist of Cain, these songs are being collected for that fourth Sam Hain release before it's scrapped, and then they take possession, Twist of Cain, and put them out as Danzig One. BM says, now you've released some limited colored vinyl stuff. What are the, re- what are the releases? Glenn says, we did 500 of Initium on red, 500 of November Coming Fire on orange. Also, a November Coming Fire picture disc is coming out soon. I don't know if that ever came out. Can someone please confirm or deny that there is a picture disc of November Coming Fire? I don't think there is. Uh, He says, we also did 500 Unholy Passion on red with a new colored cover, which is the maroon, and 200 on white. By the way, um, shout out to Devilman. Devilman is doing an incredible... He's not doing it. He's he's basically um, showcasing some super rare stuff. I mean, like the Initium Side 1 Acetate for like 10 grand. Like crazy money. Like money that none of us have. But like, uh, check it out. If you want to see pictures of really, really, really rare stuff. Black Aria test pressing, stuff like that. Um, Go, go to the 7th uh, House, House website and check it out. Um, B Black Market asks, are you going to re-release any more Misfits? Glenn says, I'm pretty sure we're going to do Evil Live as an album here in America. We have four or five extra songs, and I'll have a full color pictures and tones, and tons of, sorry, tons of live pictures of the Misfits. So now, this is pretty interesting. So this is the Evil Live that he's referring to is the 12-inch version of Evil Live. It's not the 7-inch version of Evil Live that came out through the Fiend Club, which, you know, according to Glenn, was an incredibly popular release. Uh, He talks about that in the Thrasher interview. And you'll notice something. So on the cover of Evil Live, the the one that would come out in 1988, we do know it did come out. I believe it came out in 88. You'll see the colors sort of run into each other. I think it's yellow, fuchsia, and whatever. The, the three colors run into each other. Um, that, is, that was his original vision for the Walk Among Us cover that, that he felt was really botched. It was supposed to be like a bleeding of, of run through, runoff of colors, uh, kind of like that. And it didn't happen. They weren't, didn't, didn't come out right in the the printing process. You would think, too, with all of the reissues that they've done of Walk Among Us, that they would have gotten that right afterwards. But they never did. And also, the 7-inch version of Evil Live uh, only had, like, yeah, like seven songs or something. So they have four or five extra songs that they're going to add. Um, some of these songs were recorded live on Broadway. I think I forget, I forget what the other show was. Maybe there's the Ritz, uh, a Ritz show. That, that they took those tracks from. There are not very many good live Misfits tracks. They all sound 
like garbage. That's partially because the band sounded like garbage, and that's also in part because of the the source the source um, the source for Evil Live, from my understanding, is Soundboard. One of the few Soundboard recordings of the Misfits out there. So there's that. Um, BM says. I talked to Caroline Records the other day, and they said you might be re-releasing some Misfit singles and changing the col- the covers. Glenn says, yes, we've got four singles coming out. It's been a while. I just had to find some time to get it out, and there's also four to five unreleased Misfit songs that will be out by the new year. I just found some old tapes. Isn't that crazy? Could you imagine that? I just found some old tapes at the time. The Volts are empty. Let's let's review once again from the POV of nineteen September of nineteen eighty six up to this point. If you were following the Misfits, this is how you got your shit. You got Cough Cool, then you got Bullet, four songs. The Static Age stuff you don't even know. You've never listened to it. If you have listened to it, it's because you're really good friends with the band. You got a runoff tape uh, or or whatever that would eventually get bootlegged as the Static Age demos EP. Uh, that sounds like they're different tracks, but in reality, they are just super warped versions because of the, the sync. They, they, they slow down. They're slowed down because they've been recorded so many times, re-recorded so many times. There's a, there's a crazy hiss on them. So maybe you've heard that. Then you have, you know, the horror business stuff. All that comes out, right? So you're like, you know, you're collecting your singles. Who Killed Marilyn comes out. And then finally, the Misfits put out their first album. It's not Static Age. It's Walk Among Us. That's right. So your first dose of LP from the Misfits comes in the vein of Walk Among Us. The first compilation you're going to hear, if you can get your hands on it, that's Beware. And it's going to have a rare extra track. It has uh, Last Caress on it. So you're going, holy crap, I'm, I can listen to this crazy. What, what is this from? Where? What session is this? Then they put out the Evil Live, right? They put out Evil Live comes out, seven seven live tracks or whatever, and you're like, whoa, this is really cool. And they keep talking. They go, they've been playing these new songs live. It's 1982. They're playing new songs live. They're, they're brutal, thrash, hardcore, heavy, yada, yada, yada. And that's the stuff that's going to be on Earth AD, but it doesn't come out until the band breaks up. So the band breaks up in December, whatever. Um, or no, it comes out in December. The band breaks up in, in, in October, late October. Halloween, you get this final album sounds completely different from what's on Walk Among Us and going, holy crap, that's crazy. They release a German version of it, but they call it Wolf's Blood over in Europe. It's essentially, it's a double EP. One side of the, one EP is Earth AD. The other EP is Wolf's Blood. Together they make Earth AD or Wolf's Blood. Um, And then... There are three more tracks that come out that you've never heard. You've only heard one. It was on Walk Among Us. It's Mommy, Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight? But it's played live, so you've never heard the studio version. What? There's a studio version of Mommy, Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight? This is amazing. And this song called We Bite and this song called Die, Die, My Darling. Holy crap. Your, your, your mind is, is boggled. And if you're following the band live, then you've heard some of these tracks maybe performed live. You didn't know there were studio ones. Then a year goes by and a new compilation comes out. It's called Legacy of Brutality. It's Dagger Love's favorite album. Shout out to Dagger Love. And I think Amy said that too. Amy's favorite album is 
is legacy brutality. Um, I don't know if I agree with you guys, but it is pretty great. So legacy brutality comes out and blends played over the, the bass and the guitar parts in an effort to sort of overwrite, rewrite history, whatever that comes out. And that features a whole bunch of songs from those static age sessions. Whoa, but still you've not heard all the static age sessions. And that brings us to things like return of the fly in the doorway. Although at this time, Glenn probably didn't even know that in the doorway or had forgotten about it or was indifferent to it, you know, because that was like something that they just discovered in 95, I believe. Like they weren't even aware it was on the tape. Maybe it was something like that. And everybody who played on it didn't remember it either. Something like that. Don't quote me, but it's something like that. So this this notion of like, yeah, there's four or five unreleased Misfits songs. Maybe that's Spook City USA, the Misfits version. Who killed Marilyn, the Misfits version? Who knows? Who knows? But he just found some old tapes. And then as for like re-releasing the Misfits singles, so there was supposed to be a box set called Enter at Your Own Risk, and it was going to be a box set of seven-inch singles. And it just, ne- nothing ever came of it. It, it never it never materialized. It was supposed to come out through Caroline. Um, and then it's also around this time that Erie and Glenn go into the studio and re-record Misfit songs that would eventually appear on Collection 2. So if you count s- people that are playing in sessions for the Misfits, I mean, technically you can count Erie Vaughn as a member of the Misfits in that kind of way, right? Like, it's kind of crazy. And they record a track that's never been heard at all or, you know, known about or even played live called Mephisto Waltz. And we've talked about Mephisto Waltz endlessly ad nauseum on this channel, but just the fact that it is actually more of a Sam Haynes song, at least in my opinion, than it is a Misfits song. And, you know, when he talks about let's 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 let let's let our imaginations run for a minute when he talks about I just found some old tapes. Maybe he found one of those old tapes is a is a recording from rehearsal of Mephisto Waltz. And Glenn is inspired to then re-record it with Erie because he's not talking to any of those other guys. So Erie's his best friend at the time. Right. You know, they're doing Sam Hain together, yada, yada, yada. So, of course. Erie, Erie gets in on those sessions. So Erie played on a whole bunch of songs that would appear on Misfits Collection 2, although it's never really discussed or commented on. It's sort of like uncredited work. But in a, in a surreal kind of way, backwards way, Erie is, I guess, one of the last recording lineups of the Misfits. I don't know. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, that is if you consider... Some people go, no, you have to, you have to play live with a band... You know, in order to be... But look at Brian Damage. Brian Damage played two songs, three songs, four, five, six songs for, you know, the last show. And he's considered to be a full-fledged member. So if he's a member, then Irivan must be a member in some way, shape, or form. And for that matter, I guess that would make A.C. Slade a member of the band, right? Because A.C. Slade has played more shows than Todd Swallow or Brian Damage. So, I don't know. It's all semantics. You can argue it, Bloom. Great, great fodder for a misfit nerd argument. You know what I mean? Um, 
So that's interesting. I just found some old tapes. But this is why these this is why these interviews are so valuable and wonderful and awesome because we like this information would just be lost to time. Like Glenn doesn't remember any of this stuff, you know, and Glenn doesn't care probably about any of this stuff, right? Like he's focused on making Death Rider and the House of Vampires Part Two. So it's like it's just cool that this stuff lives on and that we can like p- patch together this history that we care about so much. BM says, how come you didn't release that stuff that's on Legacy of Brutality back when it was recorded? Legacy of Brutality is a recently released Misfits album. It's only about a year old at this point, which contains some songs never before released for the true Misfits fan. Glenn says, because we didn't like it at the time. Now I remixed a lot of it, laid new tracks on it, and the stuff sounded a lot better. (laughs) At the time... It was also money, too. We didn't have that much money to work with. That's 65% true, right? The, the, the other 35% is they shopped it to labels, and they didn't want to put it out as a record. They, they had the option, and they passed over the material. So then what is true, 65% that is true, is we didn't have enough money or resources to put it all out, so we only picked certain stuff. So it's not entire. it's mostly true, but he's leaving out the fact that the Static Age was rejected by record label morons that had no idea what they had in their hands at the time. And it all worked out in the end, but you know, this is, again, you're, you're doing an interview, you're going to make yourself sound good. I, I don't, I would do the same thing. I would do the exact same thing. So I can't, I can't, can't follow you for that. But if we're being, if we're looking at the whole picture here, there was another there's another as- notion aspect, and that is that they, ne- you know, that they did not, they got passed over by all the record labels that they shopped around to. Uh, truly a, a shame, and maybe not a shame because the way things turned out is pretty great. Um, BM says, "Well, I know Sam Hain is your main thing now, but are you at all surprised on the Misfits revival?" and of their large following, especially since they've been broken up for so long. By the way, so long is three years at this point, and this is probably the very beginnings of Glenn, you know, sort of rolling his eyes and going like, oh, now you want to talk to me about the Misfits. You didn't want to talk to me about the Misfits when I wanted to talk about the Misfits, and now, you know, Shut the F up about it. Like, we're done. I don't want to talk about this. Let's see what he says. No, I'm not surprised. I always thought that the Misfits were a great band. It's like with the birthday party or Bauhaus. When bands break up, that's when everyone misses them and realizes how good they, how good they are. And then, of course, it's too late. The band members have gone through hassles with each other and all those years of not getting the recognition you needed and then it's really hard to put it back together. Um, I mean, yeah. And, you know, who knows how many interviews Glenn did after this where they just keep asking about the misfits. But it, eventually, you know, especially when he's doing San, uh, Danzig, he doesn't want to hear it anymore. just doesn't want to hear about it. BM asks, do you ever talk to the rest of the band ever? 
Glenn says, no, I don't get along with those guys at all. We just have different ideas of what music is all about. BM asks, uh, the one record that is the most wanted and the one I've never seen re-released is the Walk Among Us album. So what's interesting is they're, 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 they've essentially been signed to, to Ruben's label or they're at least shopping around labels. They're, he's been doing Samhain for two and a half years now and you know, working his butt off to, to, make it, to make it all gel. And now he's about to transform himself again. And this guy isn't even asking about Sam Haynes, just talking about the Misfits, which is also something that I would do. Um, but he says, the one I've never seen a re-released is the Walk Among Us album. Now, I know there has been a problem with the rights of Walk Among Us, of the Walk Among Us album, in which Ruby owns the rights to the album, not Plan 9, which makes it hard to release for your own sake. What's going on with that? Now, you know, it's kind of ironic because... It's kind of ironic because freaking how many versions do we have today? I mean, of Walk Among Us, Ruby or Slash or whoever owns it now. I think it's Warner Brothers. I mean, it's like the printing money for them. I, I read somewhere, I don't remember where it was, that Walk Among Us eventually became the best selling thing that Ruby and or Slash ever had on their label. It took a while, but it sold better than anything else. And the Misfits never really received, or for a long time didn't receive a dime for them. But that's why you see so much glorious vinyl from Walk Among Us. You see all these earache editions, these beautiful glow-in-the-dark editions, everything that we want for the Sam Hain tracks, but we don't get. Um, as uh, John Voice of Doom will tell you that... <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll enthusiastically show you what is possible with doing that. You know, um, he put together some really interesting looking covers and it's a shame that we don't have them. Alas. Um, Glenn says, well, I have different versions of those songs. Some are even better than what's on the walk among us album. What? Wow. 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 I found an old version of Hate Breeders that just kicks ass. I mean, really kicks ass. There's a copy of Brain Eaters, two copies of Nike Agogo. See, they just own those particular recordings. They don't own the songs. I've got a lawyer working on it right now. This is so crazy. So, first of all, he says different versions of those songs. Before... Before they remixed the album, Christy of the Flesh Eaters met up with Glenn out in L.A. They remixed for Ruby the, the, the version of Walk Among Us that, that, that they sold a, a billion copies of. Before that, Glenn was planning on putting Walk Among Us out on Plan 9 records. There's a Plan 9 version of Walk Among Us. It includes, uh, it includes American Nightmare. In fact, the track listing, uh, the songs on it um, are kind of like an, amalg an amalgamation of 12 Hits from Hell and Walk Among Us, I believe. God, what's the track listing to the Plan 9 version? I remember Misfit Central, uh, somewhere in the uh, 2006, 2007, somewhere, you know, everybody was going crazy 
because the back end of of the Plan 9 version had never surfaced. It was really the last time that anything unreleased got leaked. It's been that long since something has gotten properly leaked on the internet. And the track that's most drastically different is uh, Devil's Whorehouse, which just sounds, it's really cool. His vocals, Glenn's vocals are like double tracked on it. Um, and he's throwing, he's doing different things with his voice, but singing simultaneously, but it's off by like a few milliseconds. So you really get this interesting sort of double vocal. And there's this weird clacker thing that Googie is playing or somebody's playing. And it's just way, it's so way different from anything you've ever heard. So he could be talking about the Plan 9 version, or perhaps he's talking about um, he's talking about the 12 Hits from Hell tracks that feature Bobby Steele, because that could be a reality too, because the very beginnings of Walk Among Us are not Walk Among Us at all. They're gonna be, it was, there was going to be an album called 12 Hits from Hell, which eventually got put out as 3 Hits from Hell. And those tracks, some of those tracks, eventually found their way onto Walk Among Us. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, BM says, uh, why are you having so many problems with Ruby? Glenn says, they effing never paid us for that record. So basically, I had to get a lawyer to handle it because I want my money and I want my effing tape back. And if they don't, they can go right down with me to court. I'm just tired of all this ish. You'll notice I'm trying not to curse because every time I curse on here, um, I get into all sorts of trouble with YouTube. It's really frustrating at this point because I heard they were getting ready to re-release it again. We also have a Misfits video coming out and a Sam one hang too. So there you go, guys. This is why we read these interviews. Did you just hear that? At some time in September of 1986... Glenn claims that there's going to be a Misfits video coming out and a Samhain one, too. Now, here's a question. Is the Misfits video the Brain Eaters video? Is that what we're talking about here? Is the Brain Eaters video, did that not come out in 1983, 1984? Because that's when I thought that came out. Maybe it came out later. Around this time, or maybe before this time, earlier in the year, he does, he talks with Pusshead and he talks about wanting to do horror cassettes, right? And is that what this is in reference with? Because he's just saying, we have a Misfits video coming out and a Sam Hain video. What would that Sam Hain video contain? Would the Sam Hain video be Sam Hain music videos? Or is it like some sort of Sam Hain themed video? I don't know. You know who the person to really ask about it would be? Would be... Who, who might remember that would be maybe Erie or London at this point, or Damien. I could, I could message Damien. I'll ask Damien. Um, but I never heard anything about it. A Sam Hain video. That's crazy to me. That's really, really nuts. Um, and then here's the other question. You know, remember in the last interview we read, it talked about how the Misfits were planning on starring in a movie in 1979, and we don't know if that was a joke or if that was for real, or if that was really the earliest machinations of, hey, I want to get involved with movies. You know, something that wouldn't culminate until, what, what was it, 2018, 2017, 
with Veronica, uh, 2019 maybe it came out. But um, what would that Samhain one entail? Would it eventually, and then remember, think about this too. Then the Danzig one and the Danzig videos, two videos come out once they have major label backing. So they eventually do the VHS cassette thing. Um, but, you know, the, the beginnings of that really fall in with the Brain Eaters video. And, you know, potentially there was going to be a Skulls video and there was going to be a possible London Dungeon video, as we most recently learned. And now we know that there was supposed to be a Sam Hain video. So it could have been a music video. It might have been horror stories that were Sam Hain themed because Glenn talked about that in the Pusshead tape. Who friggin' knows, man? But doesn't it capture the imagination, right? Captures my imagination in the least. Um, BM asks, at so much information on this interview. This is a good one. I'm reading this blind. I, I did not pre-read this. So has Sam Hain been touring at all since the last time you went out here? Uh, Glenn asks, which tour was that? BM asks, BM responds, remember that time we did that interview with you about a year ago? Glenn says, we've toured heavily since then. We just never came back out to California because our van situation has been pretty screwy, but we're coming out hopefully in a month or two. There you go. Um, BM asks, who's in Sam Hay now? Uh, Glenn responds, right now it's just me, London, and Erie, because we dropped Damien. So by September of 1986, Erie, uh, uh, Damien has been sacked. He's out. He was the first to go. And when, if you recall, when I had Damien on the channel, I had him on the Pizza Punk. Go check out that episode. Great episode. Tons of, of information. Uh, just look up Pete. Pete Damian Marshall is pizza punk. Um, he mentioned that that Ruben started dividing and conquering right after they finished their set uh, in June of '86 at, at the Ritz. You know what I'm saying? So like, it had already started. the The division had already started, but by September they were auditioning guys, and it was, I think, John Voice of Doom told me this recently. It was London May who was family friends with John Christ, who brought John Christ into the band. Um, what happened with Damien, asked BM. Glenn responds, Damien's a great guy. We're still friends. We just wanted to get a better guitar player. He just needed to put out as much as we did on stage. He's a good guitar player, just not for Sam Hain. But that's so not true. I mean, listen, John Christ is a phenomenal guitar player, but, you know, I would even argue when we listen to Danzig's first show and we're listening some of those Sam Hain songs, like John Christ doesn't do them justice the way that Erie, I mean, not Erie, uh, Damien knew how to play those songs. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it's kind of like, I don't think that's fair, but I, it's interesting to hear that Glenn talks so positively about Damien, especially because he's like going to overwrite his guitar part at some point for Unholy Passion, you know? I don't know. BM asks, what are you looking for then? Uh, Glenn responds, and, and this is, what are you looking for in terms of a guitar player? So after Damien has been sacked, this is what Glenn is looking for. We're looking for someone very aggressive, someone who can play killer leads, someone who can not play traditional guitar stuff. You know what I mean? And I mean, that is very much what they got in 
John Christ. He was definitely aggressive in his playing. He definitely could play killer leads. And he he did know how to play traditional stuff, but he just he, he was all over the place, man. Um, so even be- way before the, he comes into the band, which I believe is in Ju- January of 87, maybe, um, they, or no, maybe that's when Biscuits comes into the band. But they're, they're like, I mean, Glenn knows what he wants. BM asks, I heard you tried out Chris Smith from Battalion of Saints. He's a hot guitarist. What happened there? Well, I did not know that. So Chris Smith from Battalion of States, Saints tried out for Sam Hain. Glenn says, yeah, he did. He's one of the only things I, uh, that's one of the only things I liked about the, the bats. He calls them the battalions. It's the bats was the guitar. We tried him out twice and it just didn't work out. How about that? Um, so much info. BM asks, what are you going to do for a guitarist for when you tour? Glenn says, that's not a major problem. We can get a friend to come out with us or we'll probably just have someone by then. We still have lots of people to try out. Wow. So they're just, they're trying people out. And London was there for all that. London saw a lot of the the formation of Danzig before he too would make his exit. BM asks, what I like in Sam Hain is the moods you set and the sounds that are in the songs, like Unbridled. How you put those monster groans in the background. I thought they were really cool. Glenn says, yeah, that's the kind of thing I want to do, for instance, for the opening of, I guess when it goes on the new album or the 12-inch, there's this soundtrack thing. It's kind of like a horror soundtrack. And I guess about two and a half to three minutes long. It's pretty cool. He's talking about Night Chill. That's Night Chill. He's got there's this thing I kind of want to do, for instance, for the opening. I guess when it goes on the new album or the 12-inch. There's this soundtrack thing. He's talking about Night Chill as early as 1986. It's kind of like a horror soundtrack. And I guess it's about two and a half to three minutes long. It's pretty cool. That's awesome, man. That is really awesome. Um, let's see here. I know you're into comics. Would you say you format a lot of your musical styles around that? Interesting. Very, very interesting. Oops, we, we skipped one. BM says, I think it's great how you keep your music toned with a horror sound, literally. Glenn says, there's also one killer fast song. There's just tons of different stuff. So the Killer Fast song, I bet you that's Lords of the Left Hand, the original version of Lords of the Left Hand. So they're sort of recording and writing and sort of putting together stuff that would eventually end up on Final Descent, but originally was meant for Sam Hain Grimm. BN says, I know you're into comics. Would you say you format a lot of your musical styles around that? Glenn says, the Misfits, yes, but Sam Hain, no. It's so true, man. Sam Hain is, you know, I, I said I don't a, a little preview of my observations for, uh, or some of my notes for the November Coming Fire listening party that's coming very soon. Please make sure to su- uh, subscribe, like this video. That really helps when you like the video; it boosts it up in the algorithm. Leave a comment, but most of all, subscribe and check out the Patreon because we're doing a Patreon November Coming Fire listening party. And one of my observations is Halloween, it perfect, I'm about to sneeze, Halloween perfectly personifies what the Misfits were about, and Halloween 2, even though it's a 
Misfit song perfectly personifies what Sam Hain is about, right? And it's so true. It's like comic, trick-or-treating, you know, fun, adolescent fun. That's what the Misfits are. And then Sam Hain is like this, it's a, it's more adult, mature, dark. It's dealing with all the themes. The Misfits is Halloween and Sam Hain is Sam Hain, right? The, the connotations, Halloween is a fun holiday, but it's based on, <laughs> it's based on the, the winter solstice where, you know, little children were sacrificed at one time or another. You know, it's kind of crazy. Think about it. Um, she says, I think Samhain is a little bit more realistic. It's getting to the point now where Samhain is getting so serious, it's kind of like maybe time for me to add a little levity to it. I don't know. I would definitely concur in the fact that now he's writing songs like Lords of the Left Hand. If you know what Lords of the Left Hand is about, it's not, I'm not a big fan. Love the music, not a big fan of the lyrics, personally. I mean, look at Let the Day Begin, another song I am not a big fan of. I know it's a favorite. That was another one of my notes from my, from my listening party. I really, I'm, I'm spoiling everything. Um, I don't know. I just think it's kind of filler, man. Um, but yeah, he says, uh, it's kind of like maybe time for me to add a little levity to it. So even Glenn realizes how dark things are getting. BM says, uh, what are your words about in Sam Hain, the lyrics? <laughs> Violence. Glenn says, uh, tons of stuff about things I'm feeling. Violence. <laughs> It says very violence, man-made violence, uh, our own violence, psychological stuff, and a lot of sex. Right? There's a lot, tons of sex in what you might call it, um, freaking uh, unholy passion, human pony girl. I don't know. I don't know. Um. BM says, well, I know the Misfits had a style of violence and gore, and you say Sam Haynes kind of violent. Glenn says, oh, whoops, we, we skipped over a question. BM says, I love gore and violence in a comical and moody way. It's good stuff. Glenn says, I've enjoyed its feeling. Note, phone kind of garbled a second here. Couldn't make out a couple, couple words. Uh, BM says, well, I know the Misfits had a style of violence and gore, which is true. And you're saying Sam Haynes kind of violent. Glenn says Sam Hain is sort of a cerebral approach. It's all a natural progression. Totally. That's 100% true. Um, BM says, are you sick and tired of hearing about the misfits? Glenn goes, no, it's cool. I don't care. Yeah, right. Beyond says, well, because it's all under Plan 9 and it's still benefiting you. That's true. Glenn says, I wrote all the songs. They all have their place. I mean, that's the best attitude to sort of take about it today, right? All right, let's go to some of the comments here. You know, hey, Cameron, you you think it's lame that I'm spelling out S-E-X, but the reality is you don't know what YouTube does, man. You can't, they're like, I, I've just been getting sand, sandbagged. All right, so here, you want to know what the action, you want, you want me to level with you? You want me to honestly level with you? Uh, you know, 
the way that I make money partially is from the ads that go on my videos. And when I curse, it puts a hold on all that stuff while it screens my video for, for you know, content. And, you know, I can't, you know, I end up losing money as a result. And this is essentially my day job right now. It's not much of a day job, but it's my day job. So that's why I'm trying to make a, a, a big comeback to that. Oh, I said it's lame. Oh, sorry. Here I am. Here I am getting uh, all bent out of shape for no reason. This goes to show you why. Oh, let's move this over. Let's move the party this way, shall we? All right. Let's take a look at some of our comments here, if we can. So, you think it's lame that Skid Wars band, favorite band, is Nirvana? Why? What's wrong with Nirvana? I like Nirvana. Nothing wrong with Nirvana. Skid Wars really pissed about that. He says his favorite band is 311, not Nirvana. <laughs> I Am Misery, great song. For sure. Um, Cameron is really upset about that. Cameron, you gotta let it go, man. Oh, yeah, Cameron can put you in timeout. I made him a mod. From us, you can eat more. Whoa. Is this one of those guys that was being a, 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 a deek? From us, you can go eat more pizza. What did you say? From us, you can go eat more pizza at another dead musician's grave. Okay, I will. Happy to do that. Happy to do that. Oh, thanks, Chris. Chris says, happy fall from Samhain, Massachusetts. Salem, Massachusetts, all you fiends. You too, man. You too. Chris Corkum in the house. Full of information. He was around back then. You see the Misfits live. The dude knows his stuff. My all-time favorite song is Let the Day Begin. Oh, Jody. Jody. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have a big pass for me. But listen, I'm not going to yuck on your yums. I will not yuck on your yums. <laughs> Jody, this is so, this is so true. Night Chill is like an eerie, unsolved mysteries vibe. It, a little bit. I can't, I can't even begin to try and sing, sing that. Um, oh, I guess Chris knew, probably knew the guy, right? Because he's also from the Boston scene. Um, in reference to the uh, dude from Battalion, Chris from Battalion States. Let's see what else we got here. Sorry, I'm going through these comments and doing it on a tablet, and it's really annoying. Annoying. Oh, he ended up. So the dude who auditioned for Sam Hain and didn't get in. This is post Damien. He ended up in in the Meat Men with Tesco V, another one of Glenn's old chums. They had a they had a falling out eventually. Eventually, we got Walter White in the house. How you doing, Walter? Hi, 
Hi, Jeff. This is a bit off track, but have you heard of New Zealand's own horror band called Horror Story? Worth checking out? Yes, I know who Horror Story is because we had Nigel on the show. Nigel was on uh, the show and he talked about his experiences with Glenn when they Danzig came down to play New Zealand the one time they came down to play. And for those of you who don't know, if you listen to the podcast version, yes, there's a podcast version of the show. It's the quality is not that great because it's the audio is taken from from here. But if you listen to that, you can hear Nigel's composition. He composed the theme song for "They Came from Lodi." He, well, he 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 did that on his own. He goes, dun, 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 "They came from Lodi." So the guy from Horror Story composed the theme song for the audio podcast for this show. Shout out to Nigel. Um, who, who listens uh, to the show. Great guy. Great guy. I'll tell you, if I ever come down under, I'll definitely pay him and you a visit. Um, by the way, guys, uh, that's another thing we need to announce. We have a show coming up. There is a show that's happening in Lodi. It's called the They Came From Lodi Presents uh, Robbie Bloodshed, Voice of Doom, and... Tony Matura's Secret Subway. Uh, it is going to be really, really fun. I believe that's November 6th, uh, which is a Saturday. Who knows what, what, what will happen or what will be seen there. Uh, I'm the MC sort of host kind of guy who's going to be getting up there and probably just doing a little spiel in between the sets. And uh, it's taking place at the Lodi VFW, which is where, you know, you know, Glenn's mom was in, involved heavily in that VFW for a long time. You know, all the way up until she passed away, from my understanding. Um, because her husband was a veteran. Veteran of Korea, maybe? So, it, it's definitely got its... Oh, shit, it's not going to let me. Oh, crap. What just happened? Son of a bitch. Why did I do that? Am I, did I like just totally ruin everything just now? I don't know, guys. We're going to find out. I was scrolling through the, the comments on my, on my, um, what's going to call it? Is this, is this holding the, the everything together? I, don't, I wonder, I wonder if it is. Okay. We're going to find out in just a minute. Come on. Come back. All right, let's look at the comments anyway. In the meantime, what is Virgin Fest? Mike Watson, thank you so much. I'm so glad you enjoyed the episode. He says, very informational, Jeff. Fuck, F the the D-bags. Have you ever heard of it? Wow. Who is this Skid, Skid War guy? Let's not pay any attention to him. He's saying really nasty things. Oh, my Lord. Rob McFeathers asks, Hi, Jeff. Are you going to the Danzig Sings Elvis shows? I wish, man. Do you like that recording? I love that recording. Check out my um, my review on this channel. It's really, really, really great. Really, really great album. Big fan. Uh 
Nullified Vortex asks, can you ask Steve about the urge? Does it have lyrics? Is it fast? Trilogies need to be complete. I will definitely ask Steve the next time I speak with him. I've been meaning to call him because we have some business to attend to. Uh, Daniel says, I think Danzig's dad was a World War II and Korean War vet. Possible. Very possible. Chris Smith passed away in 87, says Grim X 5 uh, In an online search, articles note that he cracked his head open on a bathtub and drowned. Oh, wow, that's so sad. It's also been written that syringes were found on the scene, possible overdose. Um, Daniel says he's pretty sure it was, it was mentioned in This Music Leaves Stains. Um, Chris says, I, I want sure, but I think Glenn's father was a Marine, not sure. Something like that. In any case, this show is happening at the VFW, and I can't share it with you right now because my tablet has really uh, pooped the bed, as they say. Um, oh, man. That's annoying. I don't know what to do about that. Well, listen, as long as we're, I mean, we still can keep the show cooking for a little bit longer because I have you guys here. I mean, you guys can see me, right? Just got some, uh, Jody came back with some brew. That's great. Yeah, I'm really excited for tomorrow's show. We're going to really talk about horror films. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here we go. Yes, the bats. Whoa, sorry. Oh, wow. Who is this? Who is this guy? He wants to snap my neck. That's scary. Uh, Jeff's Addiction asks, How far along was Rick and the band with the album Danzig before the name change? Oh, crap. Oh, no. 